Thanks for listening to Reawaken, creating community and meaningful action to shift paradigms in mental health, trauma and addiction, a podcast by The Humane Clinic. Hosted by Matt Ball and Stephanie Mitchell and produced by me, Rory Ritchie, aka Producer Dan. Incidental music by yours truly and our theme song is Hope by the talented Addo Mull. Everywhere people, in every place, all of the countries and each race need your hope. That's what this world is in need. Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed. Hope is the thing that stops you bleed. Hope is the Welcome to Reawaken. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, producer Dan, Rory. Morning. So we're back for another podcast. Yes. And um, we thought we had some ideas about talking mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we wanted to talk a bit about doing it anyway. And perhaps the shadows of the system. We thought we were going to talk about what it's like to try and do things differently in the mental health field mm. when we're constantly in the shadows of diagnosis of psychiatry, of bureaucratic systems, you know, of which we're all part of them. But um, how do we actually just take the steps to make changes? Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of fashion around, around ED alternatives at the moment, and I thought we might touch on moments of colonisation um, within change. So, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. How are you? Good. As you were saying that, I just felt something rising up in me. It was quite uncomfortable, actually. Oh. And um, so I'm ho- trying to hold on to that a little bit because I feel like I want to have some discussion. But when you talked about the shadows of the system and trying to do it differently, I'm just sitting with someone I'm supporting who's in crisis at the moment, and yeah. if you want to call it that. But yeah. he's not really. <laughs> but um, there's some difficulties and, and trying to negotiate the system and this person's need is is has is a difficult journey for me and I was on the phone to mental health triage last night. Yeah. And trying to explain to them my perspective when they're sort of saying, is the person unwell and these kinds of narratives and yeah. so I'm just sitting with that. As you said that I went, Oh gosh, I can feel that. <laughs> yeah, so, well, yeah. I think what it I think that feels really powerful to me. I don't know if you want to say any more or if or if you can or can't, but that idea just the words you said about they're saying, is this person unwell? Yeah, and I just yeah. noticed myself thinking, oh, yeah, that, that's the narrative, isn't it? Well or unwell? Yes. They're the right. shadows of when we're trying to make changes, they're the shadows mm. of the system. Yeah. In the end, it comes down to well or unwell. Mm. That's right. But my understanding is this person's reached out to you, mm. yeah. which says quite a lot about... And they asked me to ring. I wouldn't have rung mental health triage. You're right. But they asked me to call. <laughs> so they were calling me to say, can I call mental health triage so that... Um, if if mental health triage, they're concerned mental health triage is going to be called on their behalf by some of their loved ones. Yeah. And they want me to be called if anyone rings. Right. So I wasn't ringing because I was concerned at all. I was ringing to say, look, this person's asked me to kind of say, I'm the first port of contact if anyone contacts you. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, just for listeners who are listening who aren't in South Australia maybe or, or are in South Australia but don't know, but mental health triage is the kind of statutory mental health line if mm. someone's concerned for their welfare or somebody else is in mental distress of some form and they want to call someone to contact the mental health team in a 24-hour situation. Um, and so I think that just want to recap on that. It's really important. This person rang you to ask you to ring them to ring triage to tell them I can be contacted rather than just going straight to 
kind of big emergency responses. That's what she's worried about. But don't send me the emergency responses if if, um, if my family calls because I'm having a bit of a tough time at the moment, which I am, and that's okay, and I'm fine with it, and we're getting through it. Then yeah. call Stephanie because you know she and I have a plan. We're working through, and it's not no one's <laughs> no one's in danger. So don't do an emergency because it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Wow. And and. You know, I guess it'd be interesting for anyone listening or for us in here to reflect on whether that's a, in quotes well person or unwell person. Yeah, seems that has pretty. the kind of awareness to ring up and make these uh, and organise these situations as he works through his dilemmas. Mm, yeah. That seems, you know, I don't like the language of ill and well, but that seems inherently in inverted commas a well position. Mm, that's right. Um, an incredibly skillful well person. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So then we kind of start to think, well, why would we ever, why would anyone need to ring the emergency mental health line when he's reached out to organise the response to the current situation? And that's, I think that sets us up beautifully, Steph, you know, for what we were going to talk about today. So, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm mindful as well that I just noticed this is, uh, I noticed that you said you noticed something rising up in you. Yeah. And I was thinking, we've been talking a lot about emotional CPR in mm-hmm. South Australia. And we've all been, the three of us have been doing workshops in it, te- teaching it, and also been in workshops. And, and as part of what's going on in South Australia is whether we want an ED alternative, mm-hmm. so a genuine alternative, not something that looks pretty similar but isn't quite in a hospital something that's genuinely an alternative choice for people and you know you're just demonstrating a bit of ECPR there gosh I notice what rises up in me how I feel in that moment that's really what ECPR is inviting us to do Mm. rather than react to notice what happens in us and offering that back Mm. to the other person and that's what we're talking about as an ED an emergency department alternative isn't it for people in mental distress yeah and I like what you sort of said about some of the you know, talk at the moment is about emergency department. It's become quite popular almost. Yeah. Safe Haven Cafe and then the various other models that are out there that are all still under psychiatry yeah. and still can have you detained yeah. and are very much, you know, around assessing people and kind of like, well, we'll provide some lounge chairs and hopefully make you feel a little bit less um, scrutinised. But we'll still be scrutinising you. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm being too outrageous in saying that, but just to say that there's kind of that and then when we think about noticing um like what you said what arises in me so what i what happens when i'm sitting with someone or sitting with you or you're sitting with me and i'm like actually i'm feeling something pretty big and i can stay with that Mm. and i can stay with you can stay with me as i'm feeling something that's like rising up in me yeah 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 and i think when we think about the ed alternatives you know just to pick up on what you're saying i don't think it was outrageous at all i think There's various models around the world that are still run under the systems. And this was the shadows of the system that I was talking about was it seems very hard whenever you go to an environment to talk about change or alternatives or difference in the mental health system to actually let go of the old stories Mm. of the shadows. So we're still always sitting under the context of, yes, we could do this, this or this as an alternative. But if it goes wrong, or if it's too difficult, or if something doesn't look like what we recognise, then we've always got what we know, which is disorder, treatment, Mm. detention, wisdom of professionals, Mm -hmm. 
and even in the current South Australian and, context. Uh, can yeah. I say one other thing I want to say yeah. there? I, I want to hear about the South Australian context, but just to add one thing to what you said, there's an extra layer, though. You're saying the wisdom of the professionals that doesn't st- pause long enough to be curious about the wisdom of the person. Yes. It's like the, the professional in that moment gets self-regulated about, like this person on the phone last night was going, well, is he unwell or not? And he was quite frustrated that I wouldn't answer the question you know, in the way mm. he wanted to hear this conclusive, you know. Yeah. And so I suppose when we're sitting with someone, if the wisdom of the professional can kind of take a deep breath, I think there's a wisdom of the person here who knows how to navigate something. So I'm just holding on to that as you say that. No, and I think that's really important because I think all of us as professionals, you know, the three of us in the room here, we've all worked as professionals Mm -hmm. and probably taken actions that when we've stepped back from them down the line, we've gone, I'm not sure why I did that other than that's just what I was taught to do at some point in my career. Yeah. Well, there seems to be this threshold where when the professional hits a certain level of discomfort, then that's that's, that's too much point. and you have to default yeah, back, that's back to the system. It's not the level of the discomfort for the individual yeah. who's seeking help yeah. seems to really be based on the level of discomfort of the, the practitioner. That's right. And I think that brings us back. Thanks, Dan, producer Dan. <laughs> I think that brings us back to... Um, the idea of the South Australian context where one of the narratives, and it's, it's a broader context, but is, is that we have a lived experience workforce in the alternative spaces. Mm. Um, but actually, as, as far as I can see, it's only in South Australia and around Australia, all of the ED alternatives, so-called, are actually having lots of peer workers involved, hopefully, but will ultimately, the decisions will ultimately be made by the clinical professionals. Mm. And that's how the legislation and the Mental Health Act is set up. So what is it like to provide a genuine alternative? And we know a little bit about this because we, two and a half years ago, we were gonna set up an ED alternative mm. that was just about volunteers in the community, listening to one another mm. uh, and finding support within the environment to keep listening. Of course, if someone wants to go to hospital or do any other action, they can do that. And we would support their rights and their choice and the justice of doing whatever they need. But when we came up with this idea of just listening, just just being available to listen, which is very similar to the Samaritans model in the UK that sits outside the system, we were told legally we'd be in a lot of trouble if we called this a mental health project. Mm. And that's the shadow of the system. There's, 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 a, there's an unspoken, coveted power and knowledge mm. that says you can do whatever you want so long as we go along with what we know, which is that people are mentally disordered and at some point we know more than them. And we don't ag- I, don't, I think we don't agree with that at Humane Clinic and, mm. and many of the collaborators we have don't agree with that. And how do we get that voice out there without always defaulting back to... Yeah, Matt, that's fine. Don't be too radical because underneath all that is the mental disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So-called. Yeah, that's right. So I love Lucy Johnson's work for that reason yeah. because she just doesn't... She's, she's always calling... She's always pointing out to us how we get stuck into it. And when she was stuck in that space, I mean, when she mm. was out in um, Adelaide in Australia this year... Um, I was really enjoyed her challenge. She, she was very gentle, but she kind of was saying to me, why are you using that terminology, Stephanie? And I'm like, even I'm getting caught sometimes into, yeah. well, it's a shorthand. It's easy for me to say it, Lucy, yeah. you know. And yeah. um, 
And so I, I think um, it's insidious. <laughs> yeah. you know, we're just so programmed. Well, and I think this I think this is really powerful, isn't it? Because it, it takes us back to where has mental health environments come from and settings and ideologies mm. come from. And there's, there's a lot of people that talk a lot about that. But where's that come from? And then how is that still sort of permeating our narratives now mm. when, when actually we can also remember where the consumer survivor movement came from and we can still see that even when that language is still gently seeping into the everyday life, even from people that are challenging it, we can see that we, we gradually move away from the kind of social justice, uh, civil rights, human rights movements of where, mm-hmm. you know, shutting institutions and allowing people to define their own narratives mm-hmm. was, was part of the story from the survivor movement. Yes. And gradually we, we've, well, not gradually, it's been a bloody juggernaut since then. You know, the DSM has gone into, into overdrive and that system to, to show us there really is mental disorder, yeah. you know. Well, I would say there's mental disorder. There's disorder in my mind at the chaos of the mental health system. Mm. But that's not a disease or an illness. Yeah. It's frustration. And so if we return to the survivor movement, we see a real passion in the civil rights. I love that. I love to differentiate almost between... I don't want... I always feel like I'm so radical, but I, I, I don't want to... Um, I'm differentiating between the peer movement that's kind of, as you say, gotten caught up in language still. When I was working as a peer worker, you know, there was a lot of pressure to still see the people I was working with as kind of needing a lot of support because they're broken and poor, these poor people and I'm here to help them. And, yeah. and I bought into that, to that for a period of time. Yeah. And I also believe that about myself, which I've mentioned before. So I suppose I love this differentiation between kind of like what's happened to the peer movement and that's maybe why we end up with something like intentional peer support because they're trying yeah. to move away from kind of what's become the thing. Yeah. But to talk about peer work and survivor, the survivor movement. Mm. And I um, also sit, sitting here, as you were talking, I was sitting with two things. I'm like, oh, I don't want to upset peer workers. So I'm yeah. sitting with that. And I'm also sitting here going, you know, this is uncomfortable because we're, we're kind of saying things that are politically incorrect. incorrect. We're not mm. supposed to say um, there's no such thing as mental disorders. We're not supposed to say um, this is a civil rights and a human mm. rights issue, you know. Mm. We're supposed to just talk about um, how to be, be a little, little bit more humane than we are at the moment and be nicey-nicey. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And we become sort of oppositional or radical or, or, you know, extreme if you mention those things. Mm. And of course, I was listening to Peter Kinderman on the Mad in America podcast last night. And I was, he was saying, you know, if you look at the power through meaning from, it's not about saying a person can't own a label and a disorder Mm. and all that if they want. But what about those that don't want to own it? You know, and, and don't have the choice and don't have the knowledge to own it. So when we're talking about alternatives, we're talking about sort of non-diagnostic, uh, sort of not medicalizing distress mm. and giving people the choice that they don't have to come back to us. You know, if they don't like what we say oh, God, or what yeah. we offer, uh, the space we offer, then they don't have to come back to us. And we would, you know, I think it's, we would very much support people to go and find the alternative that they want. Mm. But let's stop talking about alternatives in a pejorative 
sort of negative way that alternatives are somehow radical and slightly maverick. Instead, we could say that there's a range of ideas for a range of people. But at the moment, we don't have many genuine alternatives to the mainstream system. In fact, I would say almost never. Yeah. Do we have occasionally, occasionally, but almost never. Mm. Um, and so I think what we're talking about is why is that so difficult? And it seems to me that it's in the shadows of the old stories, mm. the old systems. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, after the break, we're going to talk a bit about do it anyway, which yeah. is our doing it anyway, which is our kind of version of just do it. But we couldn't use that in case Nike thought we were. Ripping off their headline. Yeah, that's right. It's Nike. Nike. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, sorry, yeah. Nike. You're, you're English. You, know, <laughs> you English people say things in a weird way. I wonder how the Americans pronounce it. I don't know, but that sounded a bit like Monty Nike Python. You English. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a, a Monty Python moment for me. Slurring my, my <laughs> cultural language or something. Yeah. So, producer Dan, anything before we go to a break? <laughs> no, no. I'm happy to. Cruise on out on that Monty Python note. Okay, great. <laughs> well, we'll uh, we'll come back after the break and we'll discuss a bit about doing it anyway. Yeah, great. Right, see you. Welcome back, and um, we're going to have a bit more of a talk about doing it anyway. Yeah. Hello. Hi, Matt. <laughs> yeah, we had a bit of a check-in during the break with producer Dan, which was good. Yeah. So where did you want to start? Yeah, I suppose I was thinking before we went to the break, um, I was thinking about, you know, like one of the things that I hear from people and we heard it at Reawaken when we had our conference and we hear it when we're doing talks and when we have film nights here and things is people sort of say to us, but, you know, I, I like my diagnosis, my medication works for me and I feel like you're pill shaming when you say mm. the types of things you say. And I suppose mm. I just want to name that. I really want to put that out there as something that it can be acknowledged because um, I think what you said earlier before the break was about, you know, we're just offering an alternative and people are allowed to find their diagnosis valuable and their, you know, yeah. whatever thing that's useful for them. But I also really strongly feel, really strongly actually, that we can't soften our message because they can hear your diagnosis is valid and you're mentally unwell and you should take your pills for the rest of your life. They can hear that 95% of places they go. Mm. And if I start having to kind of like take care of everyone's feelings who might value their diagnosis and feel like, oh, I have to be careful not to sound radical or mm. offend people or they're sort of saying that I'm shaming them essentially. Mm. Gosh, well, you know, where does that place me in life, you know, to yeah. be able to say the things that are really important to me also. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, I suppose when you were speaking earlier, I was like that felt really important to name. And yeah. um, I hope it's heard with kind of the genuineness of like, I legitimately value choice yeah, and people, yeah. of course, medication can be helpful sometimes and for some people and maybe many people, I don't know. I get to hear the opposite end. I get yeah. to hear people who say, yeah. I am on multiple medications. Yes. I am told I'm broken. I still hear voices. I'm terrified of my brain. In fact, when I first went to see the doctor, I was only hearing a kind of voice that was sort of telling me a few nasty things and since they put me on the meds my voices scream at me all night and I can't yeah. sleep and so I'm just saying it feels really important to hold the other 
side yeah, as, a, as a narrative that's um, very loud, very loud. I want it to be loud. I don't want to quieten my voice because I might offend someone. Yeah, like I really, I think that really clears it up because that's the thing. We're not, we're not commenting on any individual's yeah. choices. We're just hoping to offer those choices. And we're, not, we're by no means the only people. There's people all around the world Absolutely. wanting to offer these choices. Yeah. And a lot of reawaken, which is why we've got to this podcast. We held this four-day, five-day conference um, in Adelaide with people from England, America, New Zealand, across Australia, First Nation people from Australia, traditional owners welcoming us. This, this event that said... What if we reawaken to our spirit? Mm. You know, what if we look for connection and compassion as the kind of founding values of supporting people in different states and experiences mm. of distress or joy or whatever? That was not about saying other people couldn't do it their way. And so I'm really glad with what you've said. Um, and I think it leads us really well out of the conversation of the shadows of the system into what is doing it anyway? And doing it anyway was really, we set up Humane Clinic less than two years ago and what we, we had no money and we didn't know really what we were going to do and we, neither of us had jobs and um, we just thought we'd start doing the things that we'd heard people asking for mm. and that we thought were of value. Yeah, and, and it took some courage, you know, I've been reflecting... <laughs> You know, I really have been reflecting on what we did and how we did that and and some of the things that, you know, other people, I see other people doing when they're being, yeah. on, just doing it even though there's like a lot of pressure to not. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, it takes some creativity and some courage. Yeah. But it doesn't always take lots of money. No, it does not. And it doesn't money. take the system and structure supporting you. No. You know, when I look at um, the Freedom Centre, Mm. in America or, or the Icarus Project mm. or I look at Madden America setting up, you know, they don't make buckets and buckets of money but they hold an incredible space and now there's Mad in the UK, Mad in Norway, Mad in other mm. places. Uh, I look at what Joe Watson's done with a disorder for everyone yeah. in the UK. Yeah. I look at, you know, then you've got Lucy Johnson and Piers doing the Power Threat Meaning Framework which, which again looks very well done but I'm not sure they had a great big budget for it. And I think that's what I hear. We get to hear a lot. People ask us, how did you do what you do? Like, what do you mean? Like, didn't you get a grant? Didn't mm. you, you know, didn't you um, apply for some funding? And um, it's interesting. We had the, we've had two people come to us in the last month. One was the chief psychiatrist's office yeah. and one was the uh, a big NGO yeah. wanting to partner with us. And they, both of their delegates were surprised we had no money. Yes. Like, oh, we came to you because we've heard you're doing great things. We'd like to partner with you, but we don't have funding. Yeah. We thought you had funding. Yeah. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> well, where would we get funding from? <laughs> but we're happy to play and make it happen. Well, if they, yeah, we're like, gosh, come to the party. We'll, we don't need a lot of funding because most of what we do is real dirt cheap. Yeah, and, and because it's based in human relationships, you know. I, I was looking on Facebook yesterday and Ross, a great friend of ours, a peer worker, um, sits in a men's group on a Tuesday morning at a cafe in Port Adelaide and they sit and have pay-it-forward coffees, you know, coffees that people have bought in advance and a men's group sits together in the arms, you know, and you think that that's cost nothing but those people that can afford to pay a coffee forward, paying a coffee forward, means that this group of fellas can sit together and be in relationship and it's cost 
perceivably nothing. So a little bit of courage and a little bit of creativity. Yeah. And then oh, Indigo genius. and her peers were doing the letter, right, the Christmas cards yeah. for people in psych hospitals this weekend. You know, to see a photo of 15 people got together on a Sunday to write cards to people who are incarcerated under the Mental Health Act yeah. and perhaps don't have connection and compassion in their lives in the way they would dream, hope, choose at the moment. You know, again, it was about a mob of people coming together and saying, wow, look how that this affects me, this idea that someone in my society might be alone, alone yeah. distressed, vulnerable. Mm. What can I do? Oh, I could write some Christmas cards. And in the meantime, I'll have a great day with my mates. Yeah. Oh, we'll and I loved, I loved looking at the Christmas cards on Facebook because they weren't just, you know, hope you have a great Christmas, you know, whatever. They were just these beautifully, like there was art in them, there was people drawing, there was beautifully written messages yeah. about I've been where you have been. Yeah. I know there's hope. Yeah. Things do get better, you know, like it was just very heartfelt in my mind. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think that, you know, there's such a, Beautiful and broad range. There's the there's the the, the Mosh um, charity op shop in the city mm-hmm. that was set up around suicide. You know, people can go and hang there and work there and be in community there. And it's a productive op shop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not in the system or out of the system. It's just there doing its thing. You know, mm-hmm. and it, and I think that's what we've kind of tried to galvanise that spirit within Humane Clinic. Mm-hmm. And you know, last year or this year we did Psychosis three six five. Which was a lot of fun where we, we had the dream of getting 365 days worth of one minute videos of the general public or others telling us what they thought voices, visions and other realities was instead of what the medicalization and the diagnostic system tells us. Now, we didn't achieve 360, but we got about 170 people. So now there's a free resource that I understand has been streamed in a health service in Brisbane, been used in two universities in England. It cost us $100 for the logo <laughs> and that's it and facebook which is free yeah and we've got this amazing resource and people from across the world joined in you know yeah um i just wanted to touch on the open dialogue the humane dialogical project which producer dan has been part of as well and and others here with students have mm-hmm. been part of it and and different workers at the clinic and we offer one-off open dialogue informed network meetings mm. and it's cost us the price of someone designing a poster you know which was one of our students and we put it on facebook and what do we offer we offer to anyone who's got distress within a network or the network's got distress within it um the opportunity to come and have a one-off open dialogue and we thought it would be a crisis service mm. but actually what we found is doing an open dialogue informed approach with networks where a loved one in that community has been in the system for five or ten years and people have been told the same story over and over and over again and they come to an open dialogue informed session and they all hear a new story after five or ten or twenty years Mm. and so one session it's not perfect because it's not ongoing open dialogue but we're offering a space of holding for that network to hear new narratives new dialogues yeah and, the, and what we often hear is that the dialogue is the thing, the new, the new thing that's heard is that the person who's deemed to be the problem isn't the problem, that everyone in the system has a problem right. and that's that right. everyone's struggling with something and everyone cares about each other. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. And we wanted to set up an open dialogue project, but we realised people can't afford it. Yeah. 
and we don't really want to charge what it would cost. So we yeah. set up a... Two therapists <laughs> two therapists in a room for an hour and a half is expensive. Yeah, so we do a one-off free session. Yeah. Happy days. So you kind of... I'm thinking about the three things. There's something, you know, I've talked about courage and and um, and creativity, but I also think there's something about passion. Mm. You know, like I think to do mm. the things you have to harness the passion you've got and then then sort of find some way to make it um, go past the obstacles that are in your way. Yeah, and I think that was a big part of our Do It Anyway model, wasn't it? Yeah. Is that we would like to run a free open dialogue service all the time. Yeah, and, that, as many was, families as well. and that was a frustration because yeah. we're just like, there's a need, it's so sad and, and it sort of tugs at us mm. that we see this. We sometimes mm. see clients one-on-one, -on -one, but we also know that... There's family suffering and, and so it's like yeah. this tug and yet how can we do everything that needs to be done? Yeah. And it was like, well, we could do one thing. We could do this small thing. Yes. Yeah. And then you set up the Beyond the Shadows of Trauma group, yeah. which has just been a free group that mm. people can come along to. And now a student psychotherapist has taken on running that. Yeah. You know, so again, it was born out of passion, mm -hmm. out of courage and a sense of why, why isn't this available somewhere? Okay, well, we can't do it on a broad scale for everyone in South Australia, but we can offer a little bit in our patch. I just think it's so mm. fascinating when you talk about, I know we have to end soon, but when you talk about why isn't it done, I think that's the thing, the, the, group, the way the group's led is I often have people sort of say, what do you mean you're not doing skill building or, you know, mm. um, sort of like techniques or whatever? And it's, it's a very much a group that's focused on relationship. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, and understanding experiences. So we stay with the experiences that are here, right in the room, we stay with relationship. And I'm like, wouldn't that be beautiful if that was in every community? People yeah. got to come and talk about things. We are never allowed to talk about our trauma. Yeah. You know, in the big wide world, you have to see a therapist for that. Well, here's a group of people who are all willing to come. It's not a therapy group, it's just a support group. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. it's doable. Yeah, so so I think our message here or our narrative here is that it is possible and what is What's the possible within your, your own community yeah. in terms of doing something that's meaningful? And what do you have passion for? And what do you have and courage? Yeah. Producer Dan, I wonder if you've got any reflections no, just, just to bring uh, us together. Sitting here thinking we often talk about the system and then alternatives to the system and we're thinking about people who have been in the system or people who have bounced off the system and are still looking help for a long time and I've been sitting here thinking about what would it be like for somebody who's just experienced a significant trauma or just has come into some difficulties and they feel like they're experiencing this kind of distress for the first time, for there to be a landscape where the first time somebody seeks help, there's all these different options. Yeah. And they might, you know, when you go to the store to get us back to Nike, when you go to the store to buy some trainers, you try on the Nikes and you try on the Adidas and you see which one yeah, fits yeah. you right, you know. That's right. And I think that... Just giving that level of choice and option and control and giving decision back to the person, that in itself would be a really powerful thing for somebody in that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I really like that reflection because that sums it up for me. Mm. And I think what we're saying is it's actually possible mm. to do that. It, it doesn't have to look like the current mental health system because that's the shadow. Mm. So we need to come out of the shadows. Yeah. Find our way to reawaken. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next time. I'll speak to you next time. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, I've enjoyed today. Thank you. Yeah, thank Thanks, you. Rory. Thanks, Thanks, Rory. Thanks, Rory. No, thank you. Thanks,
people in every place all of the countries and each race need your hope that's what this world is in need hope is in the water that sprouts the seed hope is the thing that stops you bleed and hope is the irie in the weed so give hope and live hope and when your kids are hungry feed them hope if the system bleeds you dry have hope if the situation makes you cry have hope cuz now it's time to dry your eyes and hope that that'll keep your dreams alive i hope that you hope cuz everyone's future is resting on your hope can take the worst thing and turn it around hope can find the lost that was not to be found hope can make the loser them stuck in the ground hope can turn your pennies right back into pounds this hope can be rebuilt even when it's been killed and if you believe your hope will be fulfilled but people lie just to raise your hope just to make you think that they're helping you cope they're selling you eggs without no yolk they're wearing you down until your will is broke this ain't real hope they don't feel hope they real hope and deal hope and turn it into false hope then we give up on this world like it's a sinking boat we let each other drown instead of flinging the rope we're turning the place into some kind of joke but we can't laugh we can't lose hope in these times while they commit these crimes because there's nothing else out here keeping us afloat hope is elusive a glint in the eye that something is exclusive that thing they can buy Or make excuses they just sit and ask why our mistakes are conclusive hope will just die but i wouldn't lie singing all on the by if hope but try and hope gets high you'll be bereaved but you'll also receive half hope can be deceived if just got to believe and hope don't let it leave or ever receive just hope and then one day you're going to succeed you can't live without hope don't go without hope don't doubt hope will keep you warm when you're shivering with cold young when you're tired and old hope can make a bright man hearty and bold but hope can find the truth that has never been told cause some people take hope but some people fake hope but you are the people you people here you're the ones that i feel are sincere you're raising my hope will hold your hand when you're feeling secure hope will find a way through any long door hope will give you guidance when you're feeling unsure make a point to the wise even when there's a door much more